on the bulletin. You can see there, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? Now, to many of us, God might be something different. You see, he's so multifaceted that he is just, from A to Z, he's everything. So if you have never had a disease in your life where a pill or a doctor's visit could fix it, to you he might not be healer. But to someone else who the doctor said, there's no ways you're going to make this, he is Jehovah Rapha, the healer. You may never have been in a situation where people were knocking on your door and said, if you don't bring this check by tomorrow, we're going to kick you out. But there are other people that have been in that. To him, he, he's Jehovah Rapha, uh, sorry, Jehovah Provider, Jehovah Jireh. So to every one of us, he's something different. But to all of us, he is Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. So when I was preparing for today, uh, the Lord literally arrested my mind. I was going to do something, and the Lord said, no, this is what you're going to do. And he showed me exactly what to do today. So even today, people came and said, please, can I give a testimony? I've got a great testimony. I said, sorry, we do not have time. Literally today, there is just no time for anything else but what we have for today. So if we can put that verse up there, please, Edward, that we are going to look at just one verse for today's sermon or teaching. Psalm 7835. Then they remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. So today we're going to look at God as redeemer. He is our redeemer. And no matter what the enemy has stolen from you, God is able to redeem that. It may be your health, maybe your finances, maybe family, maybe peace, maybe it could be a myriad of things, but he is able and more than that, he's wanting and willing to redeem that. And today we are going to have three people to come up and give their testimony about God being a redeemer in their lives. And it is going to be amazing. And even during this week, the enemy has tried to stop some of the testimonies in just different ways. But praise God, they're all ready to come and stand and, and tell you what God has done in their lives. And for these three people to come and stand up here in front of you takes an immense amount of courage and transparency to tell you about the things that they have done and what has happened in their lives. But on our behalf, it's a testimony. Because I've passed it in other churches before and asked people if you would give a testimony and they said, no, 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 what are the people going to think about me? But for these people to be able to stand in front of you and I and say, you know what? I know that there's love that is going to come back for me. People are not going to judge me because of this. That's a testimony to us as a people. So praise God for that. So without wasting any time, three people are going to come. They only have ten minutes because we have communion today as well. So when nine minutes is up on the clock and I start standing up and walking near, that means they've got one minute left. When ten minutes is up and I take the microphone out of their hand, I'm not being rude. Because we want to honor one another and say we each have 10 minutes. So please don't go out and say, oh, that guy's just very rude. He just pulled the microphone out of their hand. <laughs> I told them, 10 minutes, I start ripping. Okay, so they all have 10 minutes. Okay, so three people giving their testimony about God, our Redeemer, and what he has done for them because he's no respecter of person. He doesn't change. He cannot do anything different 
He cannot help himself but be a blessing to us. We're going to hear about God redeeming lives. And we sang that song today, that he redeems us back because he's so good. Right, Mr. Jake Holtrain. Hey. Hey, how y'all family members doing today? Uh, okay, Holy Spirit, let's go. All right. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, I pretty much came from a broken home. You know, um, my mom's had struggled with certain issues. My father wasn't there, so I kind of grew up in the street. Um, And then growing up in the street, I lived a very violent lifestyle, which sent me to prison for eight years. And in the midst of me being in prison, I encountered the king. I encountered Jesus. And once I encountered Jesus, I got born again. And then after I got born again, I got baptized in the spirit. And once I got baptized in the spirit, I would just just go for God. I mean, I was relentless. I mean, I would not stop and... As I started to encounter people and started, you know, just sharing the Lord with them, you know, it's like this sense of peace and freedom would would overwhelm me. And then, you know, as time went by, you know, I learned some things. And then at the end of my at the end of my sentence, I went to Deep Meadows, which was which they had a reentry program and I entered the reentry program. And when I entered that. You know, I started, you know, moving in the Lord, and, you know, the Lord had positioned me in there. And, you know, Rifle was, he was just a, he would come in, he would just teach class at the time. I, I, that's the only thing I knew Rifle was, was he would come in on Wednesday, was it Thursdays? He would come in on Thursdays, and he would teach the Word. And, you know, I thought I had it all figured out. You know, I had reconciled a relationship with my sister, and, you know, she was living in Atlanta. And, you know, I was going to go down there and just, you know, go for what I know and, try to hook up with a church and, you know, just, just, just live for the Lord from down there. And, you know, i never forget the day that they, they was like, Mr. Coltrane, your interstate compact has been shut down. You know, Atlanta didn't accept you, you know, and I'd already went to the Lord and I'm like, Lord, do you want me to go home? And the Lord's like, don't go home. And my mom's calling the counselor and, you know, she's kind of upset because I didn't pit homeless on my home plan because the Lord told me don't go home. So I'm like, I just got to stand and wait for the Lord. So at this particular day, at this time, it's other guys that's in the program that's getting out. And, you know, Rifle was a mentor as well. But he would come to see those who was getting out. And I was just, I was coming in. I remember looking in the class and I seen them. So I just shot in there real quick. I'm like, Rifle, man, they didn't, they didn't shut me down, man. This is crazy. I've been serving the Lord. I've been, you know, and I was just real, you know, really really frustrated at that time and, you know, more broken hearted because I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, he read a scripture to me. We prayed, we worshiped the Lord and he went on his way, you know. Then, you know, maybe a few weeks later, he came to me and he proposed. He was like, look, you know, I've heard from God. You know, I believe that I heard from the God. The Lord is, you know, you want, want us to, you know, the church is going to sponsor you get your apartment, furnish it, pay for the bills for a year. All you have to do is serve the Lord. So I said, I said, okay. You know, I said, okay. You know, <laughs> I said, let's go. You know, ain't no, hey, 
can't, and I had no problem with that. So I said, oh, yeah, let's go. I, I do that. And, um, <laughs> and then, you know, somehow, you know, the home plan, the enemy was really trying to, he was really just trying to, you know, destroy the whole home plan. He was just trying to, you know, just, you know, had a lot of confusion. And it was like my last, I'm talking about this is my last day being locked up. The next day I'm going to get out. And I'm like, did they fix the home plan yet? They're like, no, man, we don't know what's going on. And it, it wasn't until the last day that they was like, you know, we talked to Mr. Rifle. To, you know, it's approved. You can go. You know, so, you know, I came and, you know, I'm here now and I'm serving the Lord. And, you know, I remember my first day in the apartment. I listened to the burn from when y'all I did a while back. And I just worshiped the Lord and I blessed the Lord. And the Lord, it, you know, he was like, man. Go, go and spend some time with Ed, Edward. So I went and I spent some time with Edward, brought him some pizza, just shared the love of God with him. And then the Lord was like, go to West Broad Street. And I went to West Broad Street and I met three guys that was Wickers. And they didn't believe in Jesus, they believed in witchcraft. And I'm like, Lord, what do you want? What do you want from me? He said, just love them. So I said, all right. So I just loved on them and just, you know, showed them my freedom. And they said, Man, you know, we like the way you are, man. Just, you know, maybe one day you could bring the Bible and you could talk to us about Jesus. I said, all right, all right. You know, and I was able to share the word, you know, and they renounced witchcraft. They renounced every wicked way. They accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. They got born again. And I'm like, wow, you know, I'm like, I'm like, wow, you know. And at this time... I'm about to go home. I'm about to go back. I'm about to go home. This was my first home visit. I'm going to spend some time with my daughter. It's the 4th of July. And, um, you know, the enemy has started attacking my mind because what I did to the individual that sent me to prison, I thought that maybe he would want vengeance and want, you know, to, you know, get back at me or to do something to me. And, you know, when, when, when Christ redeems your life, he redeems the consequences as well. He really do. And, you know, I just, I just seek the Lord. I'm like, Lord, you know, your word says, Lord, if, if I do what's pleasing in your sight, you even make my enemies at peace with me. And I just stood on that word. So, you know, I'm at home. I'm in Roanoke, you know, and we had already arranged a meeting to meet the guy. And, you know, I had Pete with me. Me and Pete was going to go. And we was going, you know, I was going to take the brother with me, you know, just in faith and a seat and just meet the guy at a little, you know, nice dinner place downtown, nowhere crazy. And the Lord didn't let that happen. And Lord's like, nah, I got to show you my glory. I'm like, man, I don't know what you want. So the guy's like, look, the guy's like, come to my house. I'm like, man, come to your house. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm coming to your house for man. You know, and, and for those, and we're all adults here, but in my past life, I played cowboys and Indians. Bang, bang. You know, I played with firearms. I was out of control. I was just li- living in death. And, you know, and that's what sent me to prison, you know, was, was, you know, multiple gunshot wounds and stuff like that. So I'm on my way to his house, and I'm, and I'm hearing the Lord, and the Lord's like, you know, go, everything's okay. And the guy calls me. And when he calls me, he's telling me how he had pulled a firearm on somebody who had did something to him. And this guy, he's born again, but he's 100% carnal, just living in the world. And I'm like, Lord, what are you, what are you doing, like? I'm about to get out of this car. I'm, I'm not going there. The Lord's like, look, I'm the king. 
just go. So I, I go there, you know, I come in his apartment, and maybe like two minutes after I'm in his apartment, it's a knock on the door. I'm like, come on, man. This is, you know, I feel like it's a setup. I feel like I'm, I'm in Goodfellas now. You know, I feel like it's over with, you know. And, you know, he's like, he goes to the peak hole. He's like, goes under the seat and pulls out a dirty hair, like, checks the door. Oh, ain't nobody. Pit it back. He was like, yeah, man, I got something for you, man. He gave me like $300, gave me some shoes and just blessed me, bought me an outfit and just blessed me. And, you know, we just sat down and talked. And, I, you know, I told him about, you know, what the Lord has done in my life. And I prayed for him. I blessed him. And then I left. And, you know, and, you know, he called me every once in a while, you know, and I, you know, I just, you know, try to give him wisdom keys and, you know, things of that nature. And it's just amazing how the Lord will, you know, take a dead situation and put his life into it and watch it produce fruit, you know. And I just really thank the Lord for that, you know. Um, you know. I couldn't see this, you know. I remember, I remember, you know, six months ago. I'm, I'm, I'm like, man, where I'm gonna go? What I'm gonna do? You know, I don't, I don't know nothing, you know. And the whole time, you know, all of this was hidden in Christ, you know. In Colossians, it says, "If you be, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things not that are on earth that are temporary, but seek those things that are in heaven, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. For you are dead, and your life." is hidden in Christ. And, you know, and just all of y'all, I mean, you know, all of y'all are a manifestation of the life that was hidden in Christ. And, you know, and once he redeemed me and he taught me how to just walk in that, you know, it just really blessed my life, you know. Um, me and our team, we were blessed to go with our elders, the Barclays, to, um, you know, a healing room conference. And, you know, we was out there and we was just, you know, just running around up on people, blessing them, praying for them, healing them. People's backs and hips was getting healed. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm totally convinced that if you do what the Lord tells you to do, everything that's in his word produces the ability for you to do it. Just like when Rifle gave the teaching on Peter walking on water and he said that in the four-letter words come, the molecules would agree with the king so Peter could walk on their water. And that's the same thing for us as believers, that when we go in a secret place, we hear from the Holy Spirit. He says, go, and we go and we do that. It, it, just, it just does something. And that's what I live for. And I just, I just thank the Lord for redeeming my life, for blessing me financially, for providing for me, you know, just to excel in life and just to experience the Zoe, the God kind of life in this world. And it's, it's just... It's just, it's so much, man. And I just thank y'all. I bless y'all. In Jesus' name. Praise Jesus. Right. Next up for the new people. Uh, we have an amazing couple that have an amazing testimony. So, one is a little bigger than the other right now and might need a chair. So, 
We'll have two chairs. I won't say which one is bigger, but you'll see. We can have Alison and Mr. Tyler Bivens, please. Okay, so another amazing testimony. God is so good. Amazing couple of God going places in the in the, the business world right now, but watch them in the, the spiritual world as they move on as God has got amazing plans for them. So welcome the Bivens. <laughs> all right. First of all, I just wanted to say, whoever these messages are for, Jesus loves you so much. Or else I wouldn't be here. <laughs> he loves you so much. So part of the tears and the shaking and the occasional sweating really nervous. <laughs> so, okay. Um, okay. So to give you a look, I'm, I wrote it down in my phone so I don't sidetrack myself, so pardon me for reading. <laughs> um, but to give you all a backdrop, I was raised in a very conservative home with very strict rules. That's the way my dad wanted it. He admitted at one point that he knew I was raised in a bubble, but that was what he wanted. He wanted me to be innocently naive and hoped that the good of that would outweigh any bad that that could come from it. To everyone at school, I was a (laughs) goody-goody who wore ribbons in her hair on game days. Um, But on the inside, I was curious to try everything that I always heard my peers talking about or doing. Shortly after I graduated high school, I took my chance. I moved out of my parents' house and in with some friends. I pretty much made it my mission to try everything that I couldn't get away with before. Dad, don't wipe. I've got makeup on. <laughs> I got makeup on. Okay, so anyways, shortly after I um, graduated high school, I took my chance. I moved out of my parents' house and in with friends. I pretty much made it my mission to try everything that I couldn't get away with before. Not drugs, but I did sneak into clubs with older friends, drink drink way more alcohol than a petite girl less than 21 years old should ever. I slept with guys I sometimes barely knew and got into bad relationships with the wrong guys with the wrong guys at the wrong time for the wrong reasons. The result of this leads to my testimony and a story in battle that I will never forget. Sorry. I contracted a sexually transmitted disease, an intermediate stage of HPV, otherwise known as the human papillomavirus, that I was told by doctors would never go away. They said it would either stay the way it was or only get worse and resulting in cervical cancer. In my mind, I was like, (laughs) what, me? But I'm the goody-goody who has only made a couple years of crazy, impulsive, and immature decisions. Why should I have to live a lifetime of consequences for that? 
I couldn't afford and wasn't convicted enough at the time to fill a prescription to keep it from progressing. But thankfully, (laughs) thankfully, I found something better. I was saved by grace shortly after, having found a new life with Christ that was unfamiliar, but but I was totally enamored by. Every six months, I had to keep going to the doctors because of this diagnosis. And every six months, I would ask them to test me again. This isn't right. Test me again. I didn't get it. I was saved. But did I have to? Why did I have to continue on with my life with this disgusting, embarrassing, big red flag hanging above my head, reminding me of all those dumb decisions I made? Right, I was washed by the blood of Jesus. This wasn't okay, and I wasn't going to tolerate it. For the next three to four years, I contended with sobbing tears and crying out to the Lord in my bedroom, declaring and constantly requesting the manifestation of this healing that was already supposed to be mine. So, pause for a moment. (laughs) As Tyler and I entered into dating, I knew that if I wanted something real with him, I had to get real with him. Really real. (laughs) Um, So, one night while sitting in my car on the phone with him, I bared my gushing red heart out. He now knew it all. All that I knew he at least needed to know. I felt disgusting. His response? Allison, I like you for who you are right now at this very moment. All of those things don't matter to me. My heart melted right there in my driver's seat. It was as if Jesus himself were speaking those exact words right to my face. This guy was for real and wanted us for the long haul. So fast forward, and um, I'm now preparing to get married and move to a new state. I have my last appointment. I have my last appointment with this doctor before I have to find a new one in Virginia. Again, I request another test. She walks into the room with the results. Positive. It's still there. I can't control myself, and I begin sobbing. Impatient, the doctor says, I don't understand, Allison. Were you expecting to hear something different? Do you, you do know that this isn't something that just goes away, right? I just sat there, not saying a word, just biting my lip through my teary red face. I did expect to hear something different. Tyler and I get married and moved into our new home here in Virginia. In the midst of changing my name on all of our important accounts and getting new combined health insurance, I now find out... I now find out that I'm being classified as a stage three of five and I'm known as a high health risk. We are now having to pay almost triple per month what the healthy normal person would have to just to be medically insured. My mission is to pick up where I left off. I let the Lord help me find a new doctor so that I can once again be retested. After transferring all of my medical records and... In that first doctor's appointment with a new doctor, I sat in my room trembling. I explained to the doctor and nurse through tears that I was experiencing that I was experiencing a financial burden through the insurance company, and I've had enough and wanted to be retested for HPV. For the first time in my life, this new doctor told me with utmost sincerity, Allison, I don't know all of the details, but I will tell you this. You look perfectly healthy to me, and unless I see otherwise, I have every reason to believe that you're perfectly healthy and that these test results are going to come back good and normal. 
In an instant, yeah. In an instant, I felt a flow of lightness and encouragement begin to fill me. I had never had anyone else speak with such confident affirmation over me like that when it came to my health. The office called me a week later, and sure enough, the results came back good and normal. No HPV. Now, just like when Jesus sent a newly healed person to the priest so that that person would be formally and publicly declared healed, I would have to go back every six months and get retested. The deal was that if my test came back clear and normal three times in a row, the insurance company would only then reinstate me as being in good health, and we would pay an affordable rate. For each of those three tests, I continued to be reaffirmed good normal reports. Not a smidge or sign of HPV. I was completely healed, and not just in my mind or the Lord's, but it was now documented in multiple medical records, confirmed by my doctor and health insurance company with every ounce of manifestation. No more repeat tests and no more frequent visits. So four years of believing and contending for what was rightfully mine by the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus, I was entirely redeemed. It, was now, it has now been about two years since I got all those clear reports. No longer could the enemy accuse me for my past. Partnered with a man, my husband, who I can't imagine any greater, but also expecting our first little baby around none other than Giving Day. <laughs> my canvas was completely wiped clean and a new and exquisitely beautiful new picture is being created. God is so good, and I am a true and in-your-face testimony that if you ask and keep on asking, believe and keep on believing for anything pleasing to God, you will receive it. Remember, hope that is seen is no hope at all. Never give up on hope that our mighty King can do even greater things in you. I leave you with this, an adapted quote from a great movie. Sometimes love isn't immediate, and sometimes it isn't fireworks. Sometimes love comes softly in its its own time. Praise the Lord, man. What do you say after that? Autumn. You can grab it. When you mean grab it, leave it here when you go home. Okay, right. A brother from Russia, Mr. Autumn. Awesome. Uh, you guys are awesome. So I'm going to bring this and I'm going to time it to be kind of close. So I don't want him to grab it out of my hand. Um, we sang a song, and some of the lyrics were, you do all things well, just look at our lives. I think that's such a testimony to what's going on here and what we're hearing about. Um, there's a verse I'd love to read. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Just listen. Uh, verse 9 says, Do you not know that the wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, adulteresses, practicing homosexuals, thieves, the greedy, the drunkard, slanderer, swindler, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That is a testimony of my life. Like, uh, aside from some of the sexual ones, I've probably done all of that. So my name is Artem, for those of you who don't know. My family moved uh, to America in 95. And I was 10 years old, and they had really good successful lives in Russia, but communism was falling, so they decided a good thing to do for their kids was to go to America, chase the American dream, give their kids a chance. So we came, I'm 10, grow up locally here in Rico, so on. I go to high school, Freeman, I graduate. Um, unfortunately for my parents' dream, I wasn't really interested in a whole lot. Like all of them are educated lawyers and doctors and work for the government, and I didn't really want any of that. All I wanted to do was party. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? That's it. That's all I wanted to do. And when my friends got done partying and they went home, I was still partying. And so uh, that turned very quickly into some, uh, some addictions and so on. And before I knew what happened, um, I was in full-blown heroin addiction. And heroin literally became my God. There was no distance I wouldn't travel. There was nothing I wouldn't do. Steal, kill, and destroy was my middle name. And in the re- wreaking havoc, through the midst of that, family members, I mean... I could just tell you crazy stories of just stealing money from my grandparents. My mom has to pay rent, and I find where the money is and steal it because I don't care how the rent's going to get paid. I have, not only am I aimless, now I have a heroin addiction. So I was in a dark, dark, dark place. And uh, so I go looking for help. I go to rehabs seven different times. I go locally. I've been to Alabama. I go to Boston three times. I want help desperately. And I can't find it. So I'm going. I get kicked out, whatever. I'm coming back home. You know, I think everything's cool. And then before you know it, I'm I'm right back. And so um, after seven rehabs, there's no freedom. So I'm in a dark place. Um, I come to the point where I feel like it would just be easier if I just didn't have to deal with all of my problems. And so I was was in a place where um, I would put the gun to my head and I would dry fire and I would imagine what it would be like to just be free. Because that's all I really wanted. I wanted to be free from sin. I wanted to be free from addiction. I wanted to be free from all the things that had me bound. And uh, so that place, living in that place wasn't, you know, wasn't conducive to surviving in society. So I'm selling drugs, robbing drug dealers, you name it, it, you know, it's going. So I, I broke a lot of laws and I get arrested. So I go to the penitentiary. They give me a 21, I get a seven year prison sentence. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I go to prison, I'm in a penitentiary, and a lot of people believe, you know, time heals wounds and uh, prison reforms people. I wasn't one of those. Uh, I was still wide open in prison, same drugs, buying anything you wanted off the yard, it, it was there. So prison didn't do anything for me. Um, to spare you the details, I get in a lot of trouble in prison. They put me in SEG, where for like nine months I only come out of the cell for an hour just to take a shower. And so there, finally, I have no place to run. And so now I really begin to dig deep. What's wrong with me? What's the solutions? What's the answers? And uh, before I got arrested, my mom and dad, they're in the church. So my mom, she would look at me uh, and she would say, son, the the peace and the joy you're looking for in those drugs can only be found in Jesus. And I would kind of look at her like, 
Mom, you have no idea. And so I started digging. If she was right, if this God thing was right, I wanted to know. And so I started digging. Um, long story short, um, I got invited to church. I went a couple of times, sat in the back, no Bible. Maybe like some of you guys are back there now. I'm not sure. I hope you have a Bible. Um, so, so I go, and, and, and God has my number. The man of God brings a word about wearing masks and just hiding and, and all of those things, and he just he broke me. And so after about a week of just weeping and repenting, um, I surrendered my life to the Lord. I had an encounter with him in a cell. I bowed my knees, and when I rose, I was free from all of those things, from all of it. Yeah. So I have an encounter with God, and, you know, I start going to church. God puts me around people who can really disciple me and pour into my life. And so for, like, the first, like for the first six months, all prayer time is is just weeping for me. God was just healing me. I, you know, people thought something was wrong with me because I was just, that's, you know, I was just wrecked. And he was just healing me from all of the problems and issues. And so um, in hindsight, um, Living the way I did, a lot of my family members were kind of, you know, cold shoulder. They wouldn't let me, you know, nobody wanted to invite me to their house because something might be missing while they're not looking. And so, uh, so you know, I, I destroyed a lot, a lot of relationships and so on. And coming for full circle now, God began to heal all those things. My family members began to hear, hey, that guy's not the same. They started coming to prison and visiting me, and I'm witnessing to them. They're getting saved, filled with the Holy Ghost in the prison visit room. And so... So God began, to, God began to just move and restore and so on. And now mom and dad let me come back to their house. Um, as a matter of fact, me and mom come on Mondays and do the prayer and healing rooms and so on. So he redeemed my relationship with her. He redeemed my relationship with some other family members. And now just being in the same room, the same room in the very same place where I would shoot heroin, the very same place that I, I would want to just die, in that same place now I prostrate and I bow my face in that carpet, and I give God the glory that the man who's there now is not the same anymore. So, so, so the only thing I have to say is, in the scripture, I love the scripture, he says, and such were some of you. Every single one of you has a story. It might not be as intense as some of ours, but... Let me just say this. If you have a family member who's struggling with some of the things we've mentioned or others, God is a redeemer. He's able to redeem anything. If you're here and you're struggling with any of the above mentioned or whatever, God is a redeemer. He's able to do whatever you need him to do. So now as we go out, uh, me and Jay were, you know, in prison together, roommates for three years. So now we were crazy there. We'd go on the yard and we'd witness and we'd get people filled and saved on the yard and you name it. So we do it now, and a lot of times, you know, I just use my testimony. I just go in with that, and I tell people, I say, listen, God loves you. And a guy told me yesterday, he said, he might have did that for you, but, you know, whatever. I said, you know why I know he loves you? I said, in my eyes, when, like, I was in high school and things were cool, people who were, like, heroin addicts and so on, that was like, whoa, you, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so I was telling him that the kind of person I was, I was the scum of the earth. A person who's willing to steal from innocent people, his family, do that kind of damage is just near the bottom. And I said, God was willing to dump his love into me in that position. 
So I know he loves you, and I know he could do that for you because he did it for me. So that's all I want to say. God loves you. Now, Brother Rifle has asked me to just worship a little bit while we're going to do communion. I'm going to tell you a quick story about this guitar, and I'm going to shut up. Um, So one Christmas, my dad bought me that guitar, and as I was explaining, a lot of times um, anything that was worth money was going. And so uh, one day I went and I pawned the guitar. I pawned the guitar, and I would pawn anything and sell everything. And my dad, what he would do is he'd kind of like, when I wasn't home, he'd go and look through my room and like get some of the tickets. Like if something I pawned, you know, that was theirs or something that's, that's good that they want back, they'd go and buy it back. So anyway, the guitar is gone. A couple months later, I go to prison. And um, when I came home and I went to my room, I saw the guitar sitting there. And what he did was he got the ticket and went and bought it. He redeemed it. And he put it back in my room. And now that same guitar that I sold for heroin that my dad bought me, I used to worship the king of kings. And my dad, glory be to God. So, Father, we just thank you. That testimony two weeks ago, we had at our men's meeting, and Arton, you know, gave that testimony about how he's, 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 he's dead, poor tough when and he pawned it, a Christmas present, and he went and sold it for his next high. That's how bad it is. And it still works. And God just spoke to me there during there in our lounge at my house and he said, that was you. I sent a Christmas gift and you took that and you rifle went and you pawned that for drugs, for sex, for everything that they did, I did. Everything. That was you. You took that special thing, your life, your everything I gave and you pawned it away and you gave it to the enemy. But I went when you were not looking, when you were locked up, when you were in a dark place. I went when you didn't see, and I went and I brought you back. So that when you came home, that was lying on the bed. And everything that I called you to do, even after every mistake you'd made, it's still there in that same bedroom. And if God did that for them, God will do it for you. And you may only be sitting here and you can say, well, I only told the white lie. That's the worst I've done in my life. But the enemy still comes to you and he says, you're not good enough. There's condemnation. You've blown it because that's his job description. He comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus came that you may have life and have it in abundance. So we're going to do communion now and how we do it here, people just come into the line and they take. So while we're going to break the bread, Arton is going to play on that guitar that he pawned and his daddy went and bought it back for him. So please line up and come get the bread and the wine.
Two lines, please. People from this side over here and the people from this side over here. Just sing that chorus with me. Jesus Christ, so I cry. Jesus Christ, take my life. I want to be yours. So my life, I have strived. And I am tired. Just want to be whole. Let's go again. So I cry. Take my life, 
want to be yours all my life. I have strived and I am tired. Just want to be on. Just cry out tonight. Put that Matthew 26 verse up there, please. Thank you. What we're doing now is just not coming to do something because churches do it. We're not just here to do, to drink this. We are partaking of truth. There's a big difference in just taking this and partaking of truth. That's what we're doing. Partaking of the truth. And Jesus said, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Our freedom lies in this. Because Jesus said just before he went and gave himself so that we could all be redeemed, he sat around a table with his men and he said, 
And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Because you see, up until that stage, under the old covenant, and what people and the enemy would still want us to say today is, you make your bed, you lie in it. And that's not the covenant that we are in because of this. The verse that says you sow what you reap, it's talking about money there. We sow what Jesus reaped for us. Sorry, we reap what Jesus sowed for us. He gave his life. He says there, take this, it's a command. He says, because whenever you do this, remember, this is for the remission so that nobody can hold you guilty for anything. And you can be redeemed back to mankind as if he had never eaten the fruit in the garden before. So that doctor that looked at Allison and said, hey, are you expecting anything different? And the enemy will come and he would say, look at your life, look what you did. Are you expecting anything different? And with a bold, loud shout, we can say, yes, by God, I'm expecting life and life abundantly. Because he is the redeemer of my life, the lifter of my head. He carried my shame so that I do not have to bore it. No matter how old you are, no matter what you have done, because of this truth, there is therefore now no condemnation for you and I. And he is able and willing and wanting so much more than you and I could ever know to redeem our life and make it worth waking up every morning and saying, bless God, his mercies have been shown to me today again. So let's take this. Let's stand up together, please. Lord Jesus, we come today as you commanded, you said, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And we come today as your children, your flock, your people, as your body. And we do this in remembrance of you. And we thank you for being our Redeemer. Our Redeemer truly lives. And you are now today, Lord, as we remember you at the right hand of majesty on high. Seated in heavenly places, having the name above every other name. And you said, because of that name and because of everything I'm willing to do, this will be the remission, the forgiveness of your sins. Because you're now in a new covenant. So we come today as your people, Lord, and we agree with what you say. We say yes to your words. We speak what you decree over us. And we declare that we are fearfully and wonderfully made and that our souls know well. And we are forgiven. We live in a covenant of grace. We have been saved, Lord, through your grace. And we bless you for that, Lord. And today we come and we say, as your word says, that this body that was broken, we decree that by your stripes we were healed. And we thank you, Lord, for your blood, which today is on the mercy seat, 
So when you look down upon us, you see us through the blood on the mercy seat. And we thank you, Lord, that because of this, for no other reason, nothing we did or didn't do, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And because of this, we can now enter the throne room boldly that we might find grace and mercy in a time of need. And it's all because of your blood that you have ripped apart, Lord, the separation between you and us. And you now say, freely come into my presence and live here. Come up higher. I have things to show and tell you. So we decree, as your word says, that by your blood we have been made righteous. And we are now today forgiven and have become the righteousness of God in our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Lord, we bless your holy name. What an amazing morning we had to hear about your love, your redeeming power, and just your heart towards us, your children. Thank you that you are always for us. You are never against us. So that we cannot just quote the scripture that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? But that we would live the scripture. If God be for me, who can be against me? We thank you, Lord, for this precious time that we could hear. Your word says that faith comes by hearing, Lord. When we hear your word, we have received from you today, Lord, so that everyone hearing today's testimonies and today's message can go out and say, God has no respect of persons. He has good for me in my life. He has made a way where there seems to be no way. That you are able to make rivers in the desert. For your word says that for God, nothing shall be impossible. We trust you in this, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the body and for the blood that you gave to remove all our sins so that we can live in your presence day after day after day. We bless this day. We bless this week. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness towards us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a blessed week. God bless you.